I want to take a moment by just looking initially at a passage uh, found in the book of Mark. Uh, there's a moment in Mark 3 uh, when Jesus walks into a synagogue and kind of changes the whole scenario up for every person that's in the room. Now, what we understand about the life of Jesus is there's people that loved him. There's people that were devoted to him. There was people that were attracted to the miracles of Jesus. Uh, there was people that were put off by the teaching of Jesus. And so you, whenever Jesus walked into an environment, there was always a, a group of people there. But within that group, there was many different opinions or many different feelings uh, towards Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. And why you would think most people would love a message of grace, would love the teaching he brought and would be uh, astounded at the miracles he would work, you found actually there's also a group of people that were not astonished by it, but actually offended by it. And I want to take a moment and looking at Mark 3, because I believe in this passage, there's actually some things we can all learn. Whether you're joining us for the first time, maybe this is your first church experience, or perhaps you've been a believer in God for a long time. I believe there's some things in this passage that can really help us I guess each move forward in our walk with God. And uh, in Mark 3, we find uh, in verse 1, we find the story opens up with uh, another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man was there with a shriveled hand. Now, just before we carry on, a couple of things you got to understand. First of all, a synagogue in the time, I guess, within the Jewish culture uh, was the, the gathering place for the people where they'd unpack the word, where they'd uh, come together. It was the gathering of uh, uh, the Pharisees. The, the religious leaders at the time, people would come to the synagogue. Uh, and so in, in, in the context of the time, I guess what's closest to us, to it for us today is really, it's kind of like the context of a church, a gathering of people. And so Jesus, in a sense, is walking into the synagogue. Uh, in a sense, he's walking into this church, uh, this place where people are gathered uh, to, to talk about God. Uh, and you find a man there with a shriveled hand. Now, the thing about a shriveled hand, uh, in, the, in the context of the time, what you got to understand is a shriveled hand, uh, whenever you had a defect, I guess externally, you had a shriveled hand, you were crippled, you are blind, you uh, you couldn't hear. What was believed is the reason you have this physical defect is because there had been some sort of uh, uh, a disconnect or some sort of sin that has happened in your internal world. So either you have sinned and this is a physical representation of something that's gone on in your world or your parents have sinned or your grandparents have sinned. And so there was a belief that if you had a had, a, had some sort of uh, 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 sickness or illness, it was linked to the fact that there was sin in your world. And so what they would believe at the time is you'd see a man in the synagogue, often if you had a defect like a shriveled hand, what they would do is they would cover it up. Uh, because it was, uh, was uh, to them, it was a sign of, of sin. And so they'd be sitting in a religious gathering, but covering up, covering up what they saw to be, to be sin. Now, it's interesting, still even in today's age, that actually what, when church should be a place we come into and we can uh, be our real self, where we can be our authentic self, it's amazing that even though, like this guy, would be sitting in the corner covering up what was going on there so often we even still today feel the pressure actually we walk into churches and it's that need to to cover up oh, i better put on my sunday best 
uh, better put on my best self uh, for this environment where church should be a place where you can be authentic. Church should be a place where you can be free to, to work on what you need to work on. Uh, not a free, not free to just stay where you are, but ability to be open and honest about where you're at and have the, the, the support, the truth and the grace around you to help you move forward. But it's interesting what was a place of healing, what was supposed to be a place of healing for this guy had now became an environment of hiding. And so Jesus walks into this environment. He walks in on this moment. Now it's also the Sabbath goes on to say some uh, of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. The, then Jesus asked them, which is lawful to do on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill, but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger, and, and just catch this, he looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed, deeply distressed at the stubbornness of their hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand, he stretched out his hand, and his hand was completely healed. What, what amazes me about this passage, and what I want to look at today is, in the synagogue, in the church of the time, in the religious gathering of people, what they thought was the problem was the sin in, sitting in the corner. The man with the shriveled hand. They thought the sin was the problem. But Jesus wasn't concerned about the sickness or the sin in the corner. Jesus was actually concerned about the stubbornness in the hearts. And I, I don't know about you, sometimes we can uh, come into spaces, walk into environments, we can be living our life for God and think actually it's my sin or my sickness that's holding me back. It's my sin or my sickness that's stopping me from progressing from God. Now sin is, separates us from God, but Jesus wasn't so concerned about the sin because Jesus can deal with the sin. Jesus can heal the sin. He can forgive the sin. He can remove the sin from our world. Jesus can come in. He has conquered sin. Jesus wasn't even too concerned about the sickness. He has the power to heal sickness. He has the power to break through. What he was concerned about was the stubbornness. I remember reading this and thinking, God, I don't want to just let you have a way or let you in on my sin and let you in on my sickness. God, I need your help with my stubbornness. Because to them, the problem was the sin, but to God, it was the stubbornness in the hearts. Now, I, I don't know about you, but uh, for me, my stubbornness was probably revealed to me the most when I got married. Uh, when, when I first got married, uh, before I got married, I just thought I was right. I just thought I was right about everything. Uh, when I got married, I quickly learned I wasn't just right, I, I was actually stubborn. Now, uh, I was actually, and for, for a season, I was stubborn about my stubbornness. Uh, there was a season where my wife would say, you're stubborn. And I would say, no, I'm not stubborn. I'm just sure. I'm just sure I'm right. I'm quite a sure personality. Uh, but the reality is, is that all of us carry a level of stubbornness and it's stubbornness in our hearts. We've all got the, our way we want to do things and our way things should be done. I remember when early on into our marriage, uh, for me, I don't know about you, I don't know about what it's like in your household where, where you're at right now, but for me, peanut butter has always lived in the pantry. Now for my wife, 
I, the thing is now, she doesn't even remember this. For me, it's like the one argument we've, I've won. So for me, it's like a trophy in the cabinet. But for her, she can't even remember. But when we first got married, for her, her peanut butter lived in the fridge. Now, I, I remember getting married and going, no, peanut butter has to live in the pantry. Because for me, the morning's hard enough already. It's already hard enough waking up, going about my day, let alone having to get the peanut butter out of the fridge, chip away at it a knife and then spread it on the toast, ripping my toast. I don't need that in my morning. When I get up in the morning, all I want is some smooth peanut butter. But it's, it's interesting in life how, how stubborn we can get about some small things. For these guys, for the Pharisees, for the teachers of the law at the time, it's interesting how stubborn they had become about some things that it missed them to actually take hold of what Jesus was trying to do. They had become stubborn in their hearts, so they missed the new thing God was trying to release in their life. Now, for me, stubbornness, I guess, comes in when we set up rules. When we set up rules in our life, for a lot of us, we set up different rules. But there's times when God needs to come into your life and break the rules. Break those rules open. I had a, a friend, um, it was about 16 years old, a number of years ago, I had a, had, had a friend. Uh, we went to a youth camp together, a uh, conference. For me, I'd grown up in church. I'd spent my life in church. I had a mother that loved God and would drag us along whether we wanted to be at church or not. Uh, we were at church. I was growing up knowing about church. But my friend, he didn't know church. He hadn't been in church. Now, if you've grown up in church, uh, some of you have, some of you haven't. If, for those who have grown up in church, there's things Christians do that are normal to us. But it's kind of weird if you have never been in church before. I had a, a friend, he was, uh, he was blind in one eye uh, since the age of three. And uh, everything had been told to him that he'd never be able to see again. Anyway, we go to this youth conference. He comes along. It's his first time. And you know, you know he's never been in church because he turns up for the first time and they do an altar call for healing. And he decides, you know what, I'm going to give this thing a go. And so he walks down the front of the auditorium. And as he's walking down the front, he just trips over under the power of God. It's like the power of God hits him. Uh, it's the first time God experience hits him and he just falls to the ground and hits the ground. Now, you know, he's never been in church because he fell forward. Anyone that grew up in church knows you got to fall backwards. It's a whole lot more holy if you fall backwards. And so, but he just goes, falls forward. He hits the ground and then he jumps up to his feet. Now, for those who have grown up in church, you know, when you go down, you don't get straight up. The longer you stay, the more holy it looks. And so, but for him, I mean, in miniatures, he just hits the ground, jumps to his feet. And, and all of a sudden, in that moment, God had healed his eye. He opens his eye, starts freaking out, uh, comes running back to us. Tells him God had healed him in that moment. He should have never seen again, but he saw out of his eye in that moment, God healed him. It was amazing. Anyway, the problem with that, though, is uh, he had come to camp. But uh, when we we're driving back from this youth conference, uh, we had to take him home and at home, his parents didn't believe in God. So the question is, we take their son away for a weekend and we return him back now with an eye that's been healed. And now he has to try and explain to his parents what has gone on. Anyway, so he gets home and narrative goes on and he, and he chats his family no, and, and he goes on to develop this relationship with God. Uh, but the interesting thing is uh, about a year later, I'm sitting on a school bus and his sister's actually on the school bus and some of her friends. Now, her friends and her sister didn't believe in God and they're kind of trying to comprehend what had happened. Because it's interesting when God moves, 
Sometimes he moves in ways that things shouldn't happen. Your eyes shouldn't be healed. God went and, went and broke the rules. Uh, but the problem is, is how do you explain a miracle when you don't believe in God? And so they're trying to come up with a reason on why or how his eye got healed. And I'm sitting on the bus and, and now I grew up in the 90s as a kid. And so you know you grew up in the 90s when this is an explanation that somebody comes up with. We're sitting on the bus and one of your friends turns to me and goes, what I think happened is because we're telling the story, falls forward, hits his head on, you know, he lands on the ground, jumps to his feet, he's healed. And the, the explanation that he came up with was when he fell, what must have happened when he hit the ground was there must have been a, a like a, a wire or a nerve in his brain that when he impacted with the ground, when his head, when he, the impact uh, it must have reconnected something in his eye so then he could see again. Now, you know you grew up in the 90s if you believe that is real. Because growing up in the 90s, parents believe that if something's broken, just whack it and it will work again. I remember growing up, the TV's not working. Just hit it. The computer's not working. Just hit it. The kids are playing up. Just, you know the story. <laughs> growing up in the 90s, a whack around the head would fix it. But it's interesting because they're trying to comprehend what God has done. But how do you explain it when God goes and breaks the rules? And I love the fact we serve a God who loves to break the rules. Breaks the rules on what's possible. Breaks the rules on what's possible in your life. Breaks the rules on what's possible through him. I love you look right throughout scripture. You just see people, God breaking the rules. He breaks the rules with David, who was just a shepherd boy. Broke the rules and anointed him to be king. He should have never been king, but God broke the rules. I love God took Moses, someone who had done wrong and had escaped and was living in the wilderness for 40 years, living in the desert. He should have never, he should have never been the one to return and to redeem people. God broke the rules. Moses was prepared to live his own life his own way. He had given up on the call, but the call came back to him and God broke the rules. Took a man who couldn't speak properly and used them. To lead a nation. God broke the rules right throughout the Bible. He took the disciples, the 12 disciples. The Bible describes them as ordinary unschooled men. Took them and used them to change the world. A group of ordinary men changed the world. Why? Because God breaks the rules. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do in your life. That's what he wants to do through your life. He wants to break the rules. But I've come to realize one of the barriers to allowing God to break the rules through my life it's because often I don't like to let God break the rules I've set up in my life. Sometimes it's my stubbornness in my life that stops him from being able to work through my life. Like these group in this synagogue. They thought it was the sickness. They thought it was the sin. But what was holding back a move of Jesus in that moment was the stubbornness. He said, I don't know about you, but all of us set up rules. We all set up rules in our life. Rules around different things. I remember when I first left high school, I went into the trades before I was doing what I do now. I, I worked as a cabinet maker and I uh, did, did a number of years in the trades. And uh, I remember finishing school, heading into, heading into work. I'd come off the back of, of a great summer. We'd been at a conference. And you know, you know when you leave like a, a conference, you're pumped up. Like you're going home to be the revival. You're the, you're the answer to the world's problem. And so I'm turning up to my first day at work. Like I'm ready to be the revival to the trades. Like I'm, I'm bringing Jesus to the building site. Like that's, I'm pumped up. I'm, I'm 18 years old, but I'm, 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 I'm going to bring the revival. That, that's the, that's the 
space I was in. That was, that's the passion I had until I turned up on my first day of work. And uh, my first day of work in the trades, I'm working away and one of my colleagues comes up to me and goes, hey, how was your weekend? I said, oh, it was awesome. Got up to this on Saturday. On Sunday, I went to church. He stopped me and goes, you go to church? I go, yeah, I go to church. He goes, don't ever talk about church around here. And from that moment, it shifted something in me. As an 18-year-old who once had a passion to be, <laughs> who thought he was going to be a revivalist in the trades, has now gone, okay. And it set up a rule in my life. I don't talk about God at work. I don't talk about God in the trades. There's not a place for that. I'll talk about God everywhere else, but here I don't talk about God. That interaction set up a rule in my life. For a number of years, I've worked in this environment and I'd hardly ever talk about God, hardly ever talk about church, just because unknown to myself, I had a rule. But it wasn't until a couple of years later, a rule got broken. In fact, I had a, a, our pastor, a Pastor John from the Philippines, uh, came over and we went on a hiking trip. And uh, for those, for many of you might not know Pastor John, Pastor John, he leads our campus in the Philippines. He, he is all out for God. He is doing an incredible work in the Philippines. Church is exploding, things are going forward. Uh, but it's because he's passionate about what God is doing. But the thing is, it doesn't matter where you are, John, Pastor John is passionate and he'll talk passionately about the church. Uh, and so we're going on this, he comes down and, and we're going on this uh, tramping trip and now my, my colleague decides he wants to come along with us. And I'm like, that's awesome. Uh, there was too many of us to fit in one car. And so uh, my colleague, my workmate, he, he decided I'll take my car as well. Now I mistakenly put Pastor John in the car with, with, with my workmate. Now the thing I forgot to do was tell Pastor John uh, that my workmate doesn't believe in God and he doesn't come along to church. It's not his scene and he doesn't really like to talk about it. Anyway, I forgot to tell Pastor John. And Anyway, the, the trip goes on and then Monday morning I'm talking, we're in the smoking room, we're talking and uh, my, my colleague turns to me and goes, hey, I think that guy thought I was part of your church. And in that moment, I was like, oh, no. And he said, yeah, the whole way he was talking about how there's going to be a revival in Manila. And now God's going to break that thing open. And I was thinking, oh, no, you don't talk about God like that here. But then he stopped and he goes, man, it sounds awesome what they're doing. It sounds awesome. And then, then he opened up the conversation to figure out more what we're up to. And since then, it's kind of like, we have many chats about God, many chats about the church. But for me, for two years, I was silent because I had set up a rule. Off an interaction, I'd set up a rule. I don't do that here. I wonder what other rules in your world. What are the rules in your world that you have set up? We set up rules for many different reasons. And I believe God wants to take your life and break the rules with what's possible. Break the rules with what you can do. What people say you shouldn't do and say, man, how can they do that? Why? Because God used your life to break the rules. But if God's going to break the rules through your life, first of all, you've got to allow him to break the rules in your life. See, for me, I've got no problem with God breaking the rules, break the rules over sickness. I've got no problem with God breaking whatever rules he wants to do out there, outside my life or even through my life. But I don't like it when Jesus breaks the rules in my life. I, I, it's, it's like when you, when you play cards. You ever turned up to a friend's place to play cards and they've got their own rules? Like you're playing the same game, but they've got different rules. And then there's like a standoff of, well, whose rules are we going to play? And then you're at the house, so you end up playing their rules, you lose their game, and, 
At the end of the game, you're angry and you're, it's because your rules suck. Uh, but, but it's that thing is, is we all like to play by our own rules. For some of us, we've set up rules around different things. For some of us, we've set up rules. We set up rules about all sorts. We set up rules about our age. I'm too young for that. I'm too old for that. The funny thing is, there's never a right age to do anything. There's about three days when you're 27 where you feel not too old and not too young. After that, you're either too young or you're too old for everything. But we set up rules around our age. We set up rules around our personality. I'm too shy for that. I don't have the confidence like that. I'm not extroverted like them, so I can never be used in that way. Uh, I just don't have that kind of personality. And it's amazing how many times, even in, in the work we do and, and what we see, the amount of people that we now have singing on large stages and living confidently for God, who, who three, four years ago would have sat across the table and told me, I'm too shy to ever do anything like that. We set up rules around our personality. We set up rules uh, around our routine. We have routines and discipline's a good thing, but there comes a time when we set up rules and we become stubborn in our routine. And God's trying to come in and He's trying to speak to it. Hey, I think you should join an e-group. I think you should get involved here. Oh, I don't have the time for that. And we become stubborn because now we've got rules around our routine. But God's trying to break the rules. And now it's interesting, even for the, 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 these Pharisees, teachers of law in the synagogue, is a lot of the beliefs they held were once given to them by God. They had added to them, they had put more weight on them, but at once, it was just them trying to live out the rules given to them by God, the guidelines given to them by God. But now God turns back up through Jesus and Jesus is trying to speak back into it, but they won't even let God speak back into what was once given to them by God. And it's even amazing how at times we're doing what we're doing because God told me to do this. But what about when God wants to speak again? I remember being, uh, like I said, I felt uh, to go into the trade. So when I, when I first, I actually wanted to leave the town I was living in, but I felt God say to stay. And now in my heart, I'd always said, man, I would never go to university and I'll never move to Auckland. Like there was two rules in my life. I'm not, I was not brought up in Auckland, I was not raised in Auckland, and for those watching in outside of Auckland, many people was like, man, I'll go anywhere in New Zealand but Auckland. For me, I had a rule, I'm not going to live in Auckland, and the other rule was I'm not going to go to university. Why? Because of the way I went with schooling, well, I was good at some subjects, but terrible at other subjects, and so I was, I was like, oh, uni's not my thing. I had set up rules. I did the trades for six years, and then I felt God say to me, it's time to move to Auckland and go to university. I was like, God, you're breaking my rules. I got rules around that. I don't do Auckland and I don't do uni. But God came in and broke those rules. The stubbornness of my heart, because God had told me to go into the church. I had felt from God to do what I was doing. But I also had to be open to allow God to speak again. To speak back into what I was doing. But there was a routine about my life that had comfort to it. It had mission to it, but it also had comfort to it. And God said, no, it's time to break that open. See, God's only trying to break the rules in your life. God wants to break the rules because he wants you to experience more of what he has for you. There's a, a, a scripture in Hosea 4 verse 16. It says this, that Israelites are stubborn, like a stubborn heifer. 
It's never a good day if somebody calls you a stubborn heifer, let alone God, a stubborn heifer. How can the Lord pasture the lambs, pasture them like lambs in a meadow? The heart of God is to pasture you like lambs in a meadow, to lead you to green pastures, for you to live a fullness of life. Not always a comfortable life, but a full life. But the question is, how can he do that? If we're like stubborn heifers, if there's a stubbornness in our hearts, I want to say, come on, this year, let God break your rules. Let God break your rules. We set up rules. I'm not talking about the big rules because a lot of you that are listening who believe in God, you're good with God breaking the big rules. Like you'll let God break the big rules in your life. Like for me, God spoke to move. I'll move cities. Some of you are like, yeah, I would go if God said go. And sometimes the big rules are a little easier to let God break. But sometimes I've found the rules that can be hard to let God break actually the little rules, the small things in my life. And it, it, but it's as I let God break the small rules, I see God do a great work. Because I remember for me, after a long day's work, especially in the office, if it's been meeting day or, you know, Mondays are meeting days. And, and, and by the time I get home on a Monday, I'm like, I just need an hour to myself. I've got a rule when I get home, I just need a moment to switch off before we, we, I get into the rest of the evening. Now, for some of those watching who have kids, uh, I understand we buy, for a lot of you, you get that hour before you go home. But for some, for me, we don't have kids yet, so I get that hour at home. I'm sitting at home, I'm just switched off for a moment. And as I sit on the couch, I look out the window and I see a guy glazing on the house next door to us. And I just feel God in my spirit just say, hey, go talk to him. And in my mind, I'm like, God, it's the hour. I've been busy doing the work of the Lord all day long. I just need this hour. And I felt God say, no, go talk to him. I'm like, oh, well, I am a pastor. I better... I better do this. And um, anyway, I decide to, to go out and I have a chat with this guy. Hey, man, how are you going? What, what are you up to? How's the day been? We get talking. He goes, what have you been doing? I explain. I explain what I do. And we get talking about church. And it's, it's incredible because actually he, he happens to uh, have been, been in town for a couple of weeks helping, helping a family member out with his glazing business. Uh, this guy had once been, growing up in his younger years, had been in church, involved right throughout youth ministry, but in his young adult years had fallen away from God. But two weeks prior, before he came up here to help family member out, was thinking, man, I'm, I need to reconnect to church. And he's just instantly thinking, I need to get connected back to church. Then he happens to turn up to a house next to my house in a completely different city and God puts it on my heart to go talk to him. We open up a whole conversation about church, the dynamic, who God is and what. We just get on this huge conversation and in his heart he goes, man, I'm going to go back and get home. I'm going to reconnect back to church. It's interesting. Just a, a little thing inside of me could have easily just gone, you know what? No, I just need a break. I've done a lot of work. But it says we let God break those little rules. Those little things. I walk back inside and say, God, I'm starting my hour again now. Just give me the next hour. But there's things in our life where we actually need to let God break some rules. We set up rules. We set up rules, like I said. Some of the harder rules we set up to break, though, are like, we set up rules around failures. Where you've tried something and it didn't come through and in your heart you said, I'll never do that again. Maybe you gave leading a small group ago and it didn't work out. Now you're like, man, that's not for me. I'm not going to do that again. We set out rules. Maybe you tried to start a business adventure. You found it was from God, but it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. Now you've set up a rule that you're not going to do that again. You're not going to put yourself out there again. You're not going to take that risk again. 
But woman of God's coming and he's saying, no, it's time to go again. It's time to break that rule you've set up. It's holding you back from seeing. Maybe you've applied for a job, you didn't get the job, and now you set up a rule, I'm never going to do that. For me, we set up rules around failures. And another one that's hard to break is the rules we set up around disappointment. Where we thought something was going to go one way, but it didn't. We got our hopes up. You know you've set up a rule around your disappointment if you something in your heart sometimes say, oh, don't get your hopes up. For me, there's things, there's things within our family. And I actually caught myself about six weeks ago when our dynamics within some of our extended family, some people in our, in our world, and I got news that things were getting better for them. But something in my heart, because I'd been disappointed in the journey they'd been on in the past, said, oh, don't get your hopes up. I remember God catching me in that moment and saying, no, get your hopes up. Because if you don't get your hopes up, how are you ever going to get your faith up? Because faith is the evidence of the things we hope for. And so for us as, as believers in God, get your hopes up. Some of you have set up rules. Oh, I don't get my hopes up anymore about that. Now it's time to break that rule. It's time to allow God to come in and say, no, get your hopes up so we can get your faith up, deal with it in God and let God move. We set up rules around our strengths and weaknesses. Now I get it. We want to play on our strengths and we want to bring help around our weaknesses. But there's sometimes when God wants to break the rule. Now, there's sometimes like Moses where, where God wanted to use Moses, but Moses had a rule. I don't speak well. He had a weakness. And so he was restricting what God would do through his life because he had set up a rule around his weakness. I couldn't do that because of this. But God came in and said, no, it's time to break that rule. We set up rules around our hurts. We set up rules around our family dynamics. We set up rules. We set up rules, like I said even earlier on, about our personalities. It's an interesting one. For some of us, it's like, oh, I leave. You know, it's like you hear someone talk about somebody leading someone to Jesus in a workplace on a bus and environment. And in our hearts, we go, oh, yeah, but I don't have the personality to do that. I'll leave that for the crazy Christians. <laughs> we set up rules. I don't share about my faith. God's saying, what if God's walking into the synagogue of your life? Saying, hey, it's time to break the rules. It's time to break the rules. I'm not saying go around breaking all your rules for the sake of breaking rules. I'm asking, does God have the freedom? Does God have the freedom? Where is stubbornness in your world holding what God what God can and can't do hostage. See, often it's the rules in our life that actually hold God hostage to how we can use our life. But God doesn't like to be held hostage. God needs the freedom in our world to do what God wants to do, to act in the way God wants us to act. So many people would flock to Jesus because of the miracles, but turn away from Jesus because of his teaching, because there was a stubbornness. I want to ask you the question, when was the last time you disagreed with God? When was the last time God said something and you're like, oh, that feels like it's breaking my rules? When was the last time you were wrong? Like, oh, it's been a long time since I've been wrong. Or perhaps you haven't been wrong, not because you've been right, because you're not open to being wrong. How open are you to being wrong when God speaks? And how willing are you to allow God to come into those stubborn areas and say, come on, break the rule. 
There's a whole world you could step into. There's more God has for you, but you got to break the rules. You got to break the rules. Just before we finish off and I pray for us today. If you're going to break the rules in your life, there's a couple of things you need. First, you need is humility. You need a humility that's willing to recognize when you're wrong. A humility that knows how to allow God to be God in your world. A humility that acknowledges Him as Lord and Him as King. Acknowledges He has the plans that will prosper your life. The next thing you need is a teachability. Now God takes and gives us a picture in the Bible at one stage like He just desires us to be like hands, uh, the clay in the hands of a potter. He wants our lives to be moldable, teachable. How teachable are you right now? How teachable. That's what I love about Peter. Because Peter didn't get a lot right. But what I love about Peter, well, he did do a lot good. He did a lot of good, but he'll say there's times when he did some silly thing. What I love about Peter, though, is he's open to being wrong. I'm like, if Jesus walks up to me and calls me Satan, I'm out of there. I'm not hanging around to see what he has to say next. That's it. I'm done. Peter, be rebuked by Jesus. But he's open to what Jesus is saying and willing, even when he doesn't understand, to be taught. Come on, are you humble? Is your heart teachable? The last thing is you need to have faith. Because breaking the rules pushes you outside of your comfort. You set up rules in your life, not out of bad motives. You set up rules to protect yourself, to build your life upon, for safety. That's why we have these rules. But it takes faith to break them, to step outside of what you know, to step outside of what you're comfortable with. And I believe even wherever you're watching right now, I believe the Spirit of God is even prompting in your hearts the rules that are holding you back. The stubborn areas that God's saying, come on, break that. Break that open. The good thing is that God doesn't ask us to do it in our own strength. God, would you help me? Would you help me break these rules? Because a God might be walking into the synagogue of your life right now, saying it's time I do something a little bit different. I need to break the rules. It was against the rules to heal on the Sabbath, but Jesus said, no, it's time to break that open. It's time to break that open. So wherever you are right now, why don't you close your eyes, bow your heads, just even allow the Spirit of God to speak to you right now. You know there's areas where there's been a stubbornness, where you've set up rules that aren't releasing you, they're restricting you, restricting what God is doing. God, I pray right now for each and every person watching, Holy Spirit, that you would come in right now. Lord, give us the faith to break the rules. Lord, we come to you humbly. We say we're ready to be wrong and we're ready to be taught. But God, give us the faith. And I'll pray even as people this week step out and break some of the rules, not just the big ones, the little ones. I pray, God, that as they step out, they would see an incredible move of you, that experience you in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.